Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Like Water for Chocolate. Like Water for Chocolate was written by Laura Esquivel and published in 1989, and then the English translation of it was published in 1992, because it was originally written in Spanish. Yeah, and the movie came out in uh, April of... uh, 1992 and was directed by Alfonso Ara or Ara I I have no idea (laughs) just prepare yourselves for the worst pronunciation butchering of Spanish pronunciation it's gonna get real bad (laughs) so uh yeah uh the book first I guess we should kind of discuss a little bit yeah so it, it takes place in Mexico um, during the Spanish or Mexican Revolution, excuse me. Um, so this is in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah, and the story's being told from an ancestor, kind of, of the main characters. A descendant. A descendant. Sorry. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's the reverse of what I said. <laughs> it's like the great niece of yeah. the main character, mm-hmm. and she's telling this story about her great. Just great? Was it one great or two? Great aunt. Great aunt. Yeah. And her, just her life kind of, her life story, and it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, And the book is set up in an interesting way where uh, it's set up like a cookbook, Mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. Where each chapter begins with a recipe, Mm -hmm. and it tells you the name of the recipe and the ingredients list, and then it says preparation, and it starts telling you about, you know... How to prepare the recipe. Yeah, chop the onions mm-hmm. fine, begin simmering in a pan with oil, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll say, my great aunt never understood what, you know, and then I'll just kind of go, go into and, the story. Yeah, which is really interesting. Yeah, and then it like kind of continues with the recipe off and on throughout the rest of the chapter. Um and it's really, really cool recipes, too. These are all traditional uh, Mexican recipes. So um, I'm not familiar with any of these, but they all sound freaking delicious. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> A lot of them are mouthwatering, except yeah. for the chapter that talks about making matches but oh yeah there is a chapter just about making matches which is interesting but yeah and like there's the main recipe that starts the chapter but interspersed there'll sometimes be other random recipes in there or home remedies or just stuff that they used in that time and like just it's very um it's very set in that historical period and so there's a lot of historical details and kind of old traditions in um, Mexico during this time. So it's really cool. You get a glimpse of all these uh, home remedies and stuff they would used to do in the kitchen, what ranch life was like and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting way of really pulling you into uh, that world and with the characters, Mm -hmm. especially because food, so much of this story revolves around food and its importance and uh, really like, plot heavy elements about food too so should we talk about the title a little bit like water for chocolate yeah 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 so it sounds like a really weird name but it's actually a phrase in spanish that is meant to say that you were really mad yeah because they they make hot chocolate with water instead of milk and the water has to be at boiling temperature to make hot chocolate so to say like water for chocolate, it means that you're like boiling angry. Yeah. But you can also, it. I've heard other people say that it could also represent 
um, like the heat and passion of love. Yeah, you see, that's what I heard, mm-hmm. which was, but it's not really used in that context, I don't yeah. think, in the book. Mm-hmm. But later I read that, you know, that's what it refers to. So it's kind of an interesting, it has a duality to it, which yeah. makes sense for the story because it's also about passion and anger and mm-hmm. a lot of things. Intense emotion. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So uh, it's a unique, uh, unique title that relates really well to the to the book itself. Yeah. And we do have to assume that some stuff is lost in translation a little bit. Yeah. Because we're reading it in English and it was originally published in Spanish. And the movie is actually, you know, they all speak Spanish in it and it's subtitled. So we're getting, you know, a little bit of a dilution of the original material Mm -hmm. just because of the translation. I mean, I'm sure the translators did a great job and I love the book. um, But we do have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like to have to translate a book and yeah. not only translate the actual words, but kind of the a, style. Yeah, the style and emote the feeling and everything. It'd be really interesting to like read into that a bit more. Yeah, every time I read a book that is a translation, I try to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. If there's something about the style or the wording that seems kind of off to me, I usually am like, oh, well, it's because it's a translation. And yeah, and this book's no exception. There are some parts that one part that was confusing to me mm-hmm. in kind of the way it was phrased and then there's just some other little details that are kind of that are funny or yeah sometimes the way the sentences work mm-hmm. is you are confused in the middle but by the end of the sentence you're like oh okay so I don't know yeah. <laughs> so um the story revolves around the main character Tita mm-hmm. who is the youngest of three daughters Sorry, that is our air conditioning or whatever kicking in. Yeah. Uh, She's the youngest. Uh, Her mom is Mama Elena. Uh, She's referred to throughout the book. And her father has died before Elena was, or before Tita was born. Actually, right after, I believe. Right after. Because he's celebrating Tita's birth. And then has a heart attack. And then has a heart attack, like (laughs) almost immediately. Yeah. And so she has two other sisters. The eldest is Mm Rosura, and the middle daughter is Gertrudis, and then there's Tita. Yeah, and even though, you know, uh, Tita's born to uh, her mother, Mama Elena, Mm -hmm. she's really raised by uh, this other woman, Nacha. The family cook. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and she, so Tita's always with Nacha in the uh, the kitchen. Yeah. Because uh, the shock of her husband's death meant Tita's mom couldn't produce uh, breast milk. Mm -hmm. And so Nacha had to feed her with teas and other things in the kitchen. Yeah. So she was with Nacha, she was in the kitchen, and she was kind of like born into this world of like cooking and... Yeah, and they talk about how that's her whole world and she comes to love the kitchen and Nacha teaches her all these traditional recipes and, you know, remedies and all of these, this lore passes down to her. So Nacha really is kind of her true mother because she passes all her knowledge down to Tita. Yeah. And so uh, the most interesting thing about this family is they have this really weird, awful tradition. Yeah, which I'm not sure if that's a real thing. I'm guessing maybe in Mexico at some point. And and it's with well-born families, not like the peasantry. But. Yeah, it, I'm not sure because a lot of the characters within the book who hear about this tradition are, are kind like of, surprised by y- it. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know if it's how widespread it was at all. Yeah, or if maybe they just made it up. Mm-hmm. But the youngest uh, daughter in a family who's born 
uh, has to take care of the mother until she dies and can't marry or have her own family or do anything else until yeah. the mom's dead. Mm-hmm. Which honestly just sounds like a scenario for being Murder. murdered. <laughs> like, just gotta wait till the mom dies, so let's speed this up a little bit. Pretty much. You're not allowed to do anything until I pass away. I'll let you handle all of the cooking of my food and everything. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a great, well-thought-out setup, I don't think. No, but that's Tita's destiny. So um, in the beginning of the story, you find out that she's fallen in love with Pedro, who's... Uh, a son from the neighboring area and he's fallen in love with, with her too. And they've kind of sworn their dying eternal love to each other. Mm-hmm. And when she mentions it to mama Elena, like, Oh, Pedro wants to come talk to you. Mama Elena like immediately shuts her down and she's like, well, you're never going to leave this place and you're going to take care of me forever. And you're trapped. Yeah, Mama Elena is not a friendly or nice person. No. In this story. And it's kind of very fairy tale like in that way. Yeah. She's the evil like stepmother or the evil queen, you know. Yeah. yeah. Fitting that stereotype really well. But she's like she's very firm and she doesn't listen to anyone, basically. And Tita is only like fifteen or sixteen around this time, so she's never been able to resist Mama Elena because she's just so cruel. And they do talk about her kind of like beating Tita too. So mm-hmm. there's more than just like verbal abuse and manipulation. She is kind of a terrible force to be reckoned with. Yeah, so uh, when Pedro comes to Mama Elena wanting to marry Tita, mm-hmm. she's like, no, but how about my other daughter? And Pedro's like, e- yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. He takes up the offer of marrying Rosura instead of Tita. Mm-hmm. All the, and of course, Tita's like just devastated, devastated by this. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out that, because uh, Nacha heard Pedro commenting to his father after they were leaving that he agreed to marry Rosura uh, to be close to Tita. Yeah, which is the stupidest plan the single I've ever heard. worst plan. <laughs> kind of this whole story is perpetuated by Pedro's awful decisions. Pedro's stupidity. He's <laughs> like, oh, I can't marry Tita, so I'll just marry her sister so we can be together, but never be together. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll be happy and Tita and Rosura will be happy and everyone will be happy by this This will be setup. fine. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of a crazy... Yeah, just a little bit of decision. a crazy scenario. But of course, Tita's devastated. And even when she finds out that he still loves her, and it's still hard for her because they can't be together and she feels really alone. Um, but she has to make the wedding cake for Rosero and Pedro's wedding. And Mama Elena is like, you better not cry at all <laughs> because you can't cry in this house. You better suppress all of those feelings. Yeah. Until you lash out at me eventually and kill me when you're taking care of me in the future. (laughs) Yeah, and so Tita has all this sorrow um, and sadness, and she's making the wedding cake and she can't express it, and a couple of her tears fall into the cake. And so this is where we introduce the element of Tita's magical cooking. Yeah, which is just kind of this general concept of uh, magical realism. Yeah. Where it's kind of light or small touches of like magic in this world. Yeah. That mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, 
just affect everyone and affect the plot. Yeah, and and it's not even like, oh, and then she put a spell on the food. It's just like her emotions and what she's feeling when she's making stuff end up affecting the food and then the people that eat it. So it's very believable almost, you know? Yeah, I'd say that like the plot never revolves around it. Like Tita never discovers. Yeah, Yeah, she never discovers this or it's never really said. So she never like purposefully uses it yeah to her advantage or it's anything. all like under the surface kind of yeah all of the kind of magical realism of this story never uh is kind of used or acknowledged by the characters pretty yeah yeah, yeah. as magical it's just like i don't know if that's whatever. the definition of what magical realism is but that's kind of how the story uses it so yeah and so she's really sad and she makes the wedding cake and then when everyone's eating the cake they start to feel really sad and um, they kind of start really sad. Everyone starts crying at the wedding feast and thinking about how they're alone and their one true love like is gone basically. So everyone is crying and then that sadness also quickly turns into vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone at the wedding just starts vomiting and can't stop. Uh And in the, in the movie, uh, they, just, they, they all just go to the river and are just like in a huge line, river. like vomiting into the river. <laughs> uh, in the book, it's way grosser. Like yeah. it's just all over the party. Rosura tries to like run away Escape. and she slips and like falls in it in her wedding dress. And it's just this huge, disgusting mess. Yeah. And of course, Mama Elena thinks that Tita poisoned the cake or something. Um, but Tita's almost like completely unaware of it because she's just too sad. So she's kind of in her own world. And then at the end of the chapter, you find out that Nacha died and you don't know. You kind of assume that it's because of the sadness of the cake. that She remembered her one true love that she could never marry. And she, she's old. She's like in her 80s, I think. And then she dies, which is really sad. Yeah, it was uh, it was really heartbreaking because she was holding like a photo, I think. Yeah, of, of her old lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, so that's kind of did did Tita kill her? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, and we'll cer- we're certainly gonna get into this idea <laughs> a little <laughs> bit more <laughs> as we discuss events that unfold rev- revolving around Tita and her cooking. Yeah. Uh, so. Some time goes by, and Rosura's pregnant now. Yeah. And Tita's kind of had to live in this setup where yeah. Pedro and Rosura are together, but they're still Pedro and Tita are still in love with each other. Which I have a question that I just have to clarify. In yeah. the book, each chapter is set up by a month. Uh-huh. So January, February, March. Is that Was this book released, do you know, like in segments? On on a monthly basis, I don't think so. Or does is that actually supposed to be the month that part of the story takes place in? The months kind of sometimes Mm -hmm. coincide with that time of year, but other times because I was paying attention to that, trying to see if that was during the time, but other times it doesn't. So I don't know. I don't know if it's just the setup of like oh a recipe for every month or what. It's a little confusing because, you know, we have a big time jump between Mm -hmm. this chapter and the next, like a year or so. Mm -hmm. And I was very confused because I'm like, I thought it was only a month. And I'm like, maybe it's a year and a month. Yeah, you would think that the story takes place within the span of a year because the months are listed. But it honestly seems to have nothing to do with the time. 
Yeah, it felt like kind of an unnecessary yeah. addition because you already have the, the chapters recipes. starting with the recipes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure what the month has to do with it exactly. So. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that either. No. Uh, so, yeah, so Rizura is pregnant mm-hmm. and Pedro is still like hitting on Tita yeah. kind of openly. <laughs> uh, he gives her some roses for it being a year since she took on, she took on Notch's uh, position as head cook yeah. of the house. Mm-hmm. And Pedro gives her roses to celebrate yeah. like in front of his pregnant wife. He's like, here you go, Tita. And then Mama Elena, of course, is like, throw those flowers out. You can't have them. Yeah. And so instead of doing that, she decides to cook with them. Mm-hmm. So she makes uh, uh, quail in rose petal rose sauce, petal sauce. Mm-hmm. which sounds freaking delicious. Yeah. And it <laughs> looked so good in the movie. It was yeah. just everything was like decorated the with rose, rose petals. petals are all decorative. Yeah. Um, so obviously Tita is feeling really sexy when she's making this yeah. or she's just feeling love for Pedro while she's making it because he gave her the flowers and so they all sit down to eat it and everyone gets like really hot <laughs> under the collar. They're all like, mm, what, what is this? Yeah. Pedro and Tita are just making eyes at each other and Mama Elena's kind of like yeah, getting feeling the vapors. Uncomfortable. And uh, Gertrudis, the middle sister more than anyone, is just like twitching in her seat. Yeah. There's part in the movie where she kind of like pulls her shirt open (laughs) a little bit. She's kind of like feeling herself up. She's just like overcome with like passion. It's a little awkward because like most of them, they're all all family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tita and uh, Paige are the only ones with like the actual like sexual connection, but everyone else is just in their own world kind of. Yeah. So... Gertrudis is feeling this sexual tension and passion so much that she needs to take a shower. Yeah. Because she's just too hot. So she goes to the shower, which is like an outdoor uh, wooden shower stall that they have. And they just have like a couple buckets on the top that like pour down over them. So she's in this wooden shower and she's trying to cool down, but she her body is so hot that it's evaporating the water into steam before it can even touch her. Yeah, and eventually the wood panels of the bathroom of the shower stall catch on fire. Yeah, and so she has to run out like totally naked. Totally naked. Um, meet and as this is happening, the steam like goes down into the town mm-hmm. and. During this story, it's a time of like uh, political unrest. With the Mexican Revolution. Yeah, the yeah. Mexican Revolution is happening, and some of the revolutionaries are in the town, like fighting. Mm-hmm. And the steam goes past this one guy, uh, Juan. Yeah, and I think he's one of the generals. Yeah, he's a general. And he had seen Gertrudis earlier. Mm-hmm. She was actually thinking of him yeah. when she's getting flustered. <laughs> and he like smells the air and just takes off in the On middle of this battle. Yeah. <laughs> So as Kurdurdis is running across this field naked, uh, Juan on horseback rides in. He rides right up to her, like swoops her up. Swoops her up onto the horse. Onto the horse. And then they have sex on the horse. They have sex on the horse (laughs) (laughs) while they're... And Tina and Pedro both, like, witness this. Are standing outside, like, watching, like... (laughs) (laughs) They just watch her get get swept away by this guy. And And then he just gallops away. (laughs) They just gallop away having sex on this horse. Yeah. And the mother who's in the house is like... Where's Gertrudis? What's going on? And Tita's like, she... Got kidnapped. She got kidnapped. (laughs) Yeah, and then you find out later that Gertrudis 
obviously had sex with Pedro, or I'm sorry, not Pedro. She had sex with Juan yeah. on the horse and later. But then even that wasn't enough to like cool the passion that was inside her. So she goes to a brothel. So she left Juan's like shriveled and used body. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I need more. <laughs> so she went to a brothel and she worked as a prostitute until her body like cooled off basically yeah (laughs) tina really kind of like fucked up her life (laughs) (laughs) it like starts off like funny and passionate and then she's like working as a prostitute (laughs) yeah which is really funny and of course mama elena like disowns her and stuff after she finds out about it Mm -hmm. but this is interesting because like we were saying before with this magical realism this whole story is told by tita's great niece Mm -hmm. so when when it's being told it's almost like a folk story and something you would tell with all these exaggerations in it or all these crazy things that are happening but it makes sense for the story and it's just fitting into that world so it is like a fairy tale or a folk tale that you would tell of like time long ago kind of yeah yeah it's uh it i don't know how it achieves this balance but it's like really wacky yeah in a way and you like kind of are sold on that but it's also very it's a very sexy story yeah it is it's sexy like there's a sweet romance you know you have all this cooking and like this setting in Mexico which is super interesting but then all these magical things are happening and it just it works so well and I love that about this book how All these crazy things happen and magical events, but it's just part of their world. Mm -hmm. And I also, we should also definitely mention that uh, the movie Mm -hmm. is about, it is definitely, I think, the closest adaptation Adaptation. that we've we've, seen so far. Yeah, Yeah. out of any of the stories. I mean, it's almost to a T. It's like exactly the book. Well, Laura Esquivel actually wrote the screenplay for it. Mm -hmm. So I think that factors in a lot. I mean, some things were changed. But for the most part, it follows the story exactly. Yeah, there's one part we'll talk about later that Mm -hmm. kind of gets cut, which I think makes sense. But for the most part, like there might be tiny details or things that are removed. But I mean, I I couldn't think of anything that wasn't included watching the movie. Yeah. So if we're not talking about the differences much. It's because there are no differences. It's because there aren't like any. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is good because I really do like the book. Um, and I think the movie does capture that magical aspect pretty mm-hmm. well. It does feel more like a period piece, but that makes sense because you're seeing that world instead of just reading about it. Um, but I do like that about it. So it works. I do too. I have some slight beef, mm-hmm. some, some thinly sliced beef with thinly it. Thinly sliced beef <laughs> on my sandwich. Which I'll, I'll, Mumble. I'll address later when we're a little more into the story. Yeah. So uh, Gertrudis is gone. Yep. She's in a brothel now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the story uh, continues and it takes another jump in mm-hmm. chapters. Uh, uh, Rosura has her baby. Yeah. Roberto. And she also has trouble feeding him. Yeah. there's a It's a hard birth and Tita actually helps her give birth because oh, yeah. the doctor and Pedro and everyone is gone because they've gone to get help or they're out of the village for a day or something so tita helps her give birth but it's kind of like a difficult pregnancy so when the doctor does come um rosura needs to recover Mm -hmm. a little bit so tita sort of takes care of the baby because rosura is kind of too weak to do so 
Yeah, she starts, uh, and the baby needs fed. Yeah. And Razor is not able to. Mm-hmm. And Tita's actually able, uh, she produces milk and is yeah. able to feed the baby. Uh, which, I don't know why they keep a secret. It's kind of... Yeah, I I think because it sort of shows want- that Tita... And Pedro are in love and that she has this love for their son. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's her son, not Rosura's. She's kind of replacing Rosura in a yeah. way, maybe too much. Mm-hmm. And so she feels this intense bond for the boy, Roberto. And it is like he's her son and she's, you know, feeding him and stuff. And this kind of makes Pedro fall even more in love with her mm-hmm. because he, in his mind, like Tita is his mother, you know. Yeah, and they kind of have this secret now where he knows that Tita's breastfeeding uh, the baby but yeah. isn't saying anything, so they kind of have that further connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, to further their lustful <laughs> connection... Their lustful experiences. There's a scene where um, it's really great where Tita's grinding spices yeah. for a dish, mm-hmm. and Pedro walks in, and she's like bent over on like the floor. on the floor grinding the spices and so like he can see down her blouse uh-huh. and she just kind of makes eye makes eye contact with him and like keeps grinding yeah it's very sexual it is and it was it was sexy i mean it's sexy in the movie and the book yeah but it became funnier in the movie because pedro is just sweating and like <laughs> watching her <laughs> he like doesn't he doesn't do anything but just stand there and like awkwardly stare <laughs> And as their flirting becomes more obvious, Mama Elena is getting suspicious. And of course, she doesn't want anything going on between Tita and Pedro. So she eventually sends Pedro, Rosura, and Roberto away to live in San Antonio, which is right across the border from Mexico. And it just breaks Tita's heart because she was so invested in this child. Mm -hmm. It was like it was her own child. Yeah. And so another time jump uh, a little later and they actually find out that uh, Roberto had died. Yeah. Uh, and Tita kind of blames the mom, her mom, for it, that she sent him away. Yeah. And she couldn't feed Roberto, and he wouldn't eat anything, I guess, after they which moved. Which is why he died. Which is why he died, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of erupts in this big fight between Mama Elena and Tita. And Tita like just has this total breakdown. Yeah. And it's the first time where she stands up for herself and Mm -hmm. she's basically like, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. And also it's your fault that Roberto is dead. And Mama Elena hits her in the face and like breaks her nose. Yeah. And so, uh, Tito goes up into like a dove coop. Yeah. The uh, dove coop, which is like high up in the barn or something. Yeah. And, they pull the ladder away so she can't get down because her mom is just a crazy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually they get the doctor, Doc Brown, to mm-hmm. uh, go up uh, after her. And see what's going on. And at this point, she's like just totally naked and covered in bird shit. So she ha- is like crazy. And mm-hmm. Mama Lane is basically like, if she's crazy, take her to the nut house. I don't want her here. And so Doc Brown kind of comes to either take her to the loony bin or what, but you know, he kind of grabs her, cleans her off and takes her home with him instead and Mm -hmm. sort of nurses her back to health there, which was really kind of him. Yeah. It's this book does something that's really interesting, which is it has this odd balance of 
uh, like love and romance, but also this really, it's really like grisly detail. Yeah. Uh, and like horrifying ish, not horrifying. That's no, a, well, word. <laughs> there's, they talk in detail about castrating chickens. Oh yeah. At one point, which was a little horrifying to me. Yeah. Um, very specific detail. But yeah. Very detailed. <laughs> and like, you know, the vomiting scene at the wedding yeah. is pretty gross. And, and they, they talk too about Rosura getting really fat after having, uh, her first baby and being really gassy. Yeah. And it's kind of this odd, it, it makes it work. Yeah. But it's kind of something I've never really experienced with a book or movie. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of this odd balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's so much romance and like sexuality in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, more than you would expect in a folktale, you yeah. know, you, you think of folktales and fairy tales as being kind of for kids and even the ones that, are a little more dark, don't have a lot of sex in them. Yeah. Um, or it, it's not described as much anyway. That There's so many details in this book where, like, it's so clearly erotic, mm-hmm. you know? it's I wouldn't call it an erotic novel, but there no. are erotic parts in it. And like you said, there's kind of gross moments in it, too, where you're just kind of like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the balance between the two. But I think the book pulls it off, and it's really unique to it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. So uh, Rosura, I'm sorry, not Rosura, Tita <laughs> goes with Doc Brown. She gets cleaned off, and she's, like, staying with him. Yeah, and at first she won't speak because she kind of is rethinking her life a little bit, and she doesn't want to ever go back to the ranch and to live with Mama Elena. So she's she's kind of silent for a while and kind of putting herself back together a little bit and trying to think about what she wants for the rest of her life. Yeah, because for once, she's not being told what to do. Yeah. She has a choice. She doesn't have to cook freaking every single meal every day. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not even going to talk. Yeah. Like, if I don't have to talk, I'm not even going to do I'm that. I'm not going to. Yeah. And Doc Brown is really patient with her um, and... His name, his first name is John. Yeah. And he, he has a son from a previous marriage. His wife died and he, his grandmother was a native American and she sort of taught him a lot of, um, medicinal things. Like he's an actual doctor. Like he went Mm -hmm. you know, to school to get his doctor's degree, but he also kind of works in that, um, yeah, traditional remedies. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure what the term would be, but yeah. you know, using a, a alternative speci- medicine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. using a specific type of bark to treat like burns or yeah. you know, and he but he's kind of trying to figure out, I think scientifically why that stuff. Why they work, kind of intersecting the two. It's interesting because I think John's grandmother was sort of like Tita's Nacha, you know, yeah. passing down her knowledge her traditional and like folk knowledge down to him and to Tita and kind of preserving the old ways of Mexico and kind of, you know, that culture is still there with them, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And this is the chapter that talks about making matches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because since uh, Tita's like closed off and not doing anything. She's not cooking. <laughs> yeah. She's not cooking. She's taking a break. John uh, tells her about making matches mm-hmm. and kind of the history of like how phosphorus was discovered and he kind of, he then goes into this talk about uh, his grandmother, yeah. I think, talked about how your soul is like a box of matches, mm-hmm. and they can become dampened 
and like they won't light. Yeah. Uh, but they can be dried out. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet because he's just kind of telling Tita, you know, I know you're really down. Yeah. And you don't know what's going on with your life, but you can dry out your matches. You can have this spark again. Yeah. And the matches, he talks about them being kind of like each match is a passionate or important moment to you. And different things can light that match. Um, you know, feelings of love and excitement and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so Tita doesn't know if she'll ever feel those feelings again. So to have him kind of be like, you know, your matches might be damp and not be lighting right now. Yeah. But I think you can have that back. Uh, and then the metaphor gets kind of weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> he starts talking about how if you light all your matches at once if you're too like passionate about something yeah, if you're too in the moment and it's too intense you'll like return to like the tunnel of life that you were born from yeah and like basically like die yeah he talks about being like our, your divine origin yeah so it's that's almost like it. a pre-birth paradise type thing like not quite heaven but also just this Almost like you return to your spirit matter and become like a star or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> <laughs> like you kind of lost me. It was a good metaphor, but now you're a little. Yeah. So uh, eventually uh, Tia starts talking again mm-hmm. and is doing well and, you know, uh, living with John Brown and everything's going great. Uh, and then she gets word that her mother was attacked by the revolutionaries yeah. or you're not sure which factions are doing what in this yeah, war, but they kind of attack the house mm-hmm. and, uh, they rape Chencha. Yeah. Who is another, uh, like how she's a housekeeper. Yeah. Uh, and she's been a, you know, a recurring character up until this point. Yeah, like, and she's, uh, she's kind of a friend to Tita. Yeah, Helps she really is. Helps her out is. in the kitchen and does stuff it, like that. At this point, Rosura and Gertrudis have left. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of Tita's, like, confidant and, like, kind of, yeah, uh, you know, helper. Uh, so that happens to her. And her mother gets attacked. Mm-hmm. And I forget what happens in the book exactly. In the movie, she kind of gets pushed down a hill. Yeah, I think the same thing happens in the book. Mm-hmm. Except in the book... Mama Elena is paralyzed from her fall, and in the movie, she just dies. Yeah, which this is kind of the big divergence, divergence of the uh, of the book to movie. Mm-hmm. So in the book, uh, she becomes paralyzed, and Tita agrees to go back home and help her. Yeah, to cook for her again because mm-hmm. she's and she can't do anything for herself anymore. Yeah, and Chencha is really scarred from her assault. Yeah, and isn't really able to do a whole lot at this point. Mm-hmm. So Tita kind of reluctantly goes back home yeah, and she tries to like stand up to her mother a little bit more uh-huh. and is like, listen, this is going to ha- this is how it's going to be. Uh, and so she starts cooking food for her and her mother is still the absolute worst. Yeah. And she refuses to eat Tita's food because she's paranoid that Tita's poisoning her. Yeah. Cause she tastes it. She and- tastes bitterness in the food. Yeah. And Tita's like, I know that's not true. I tasted it. It's fine. Yeah. And John Brown, who is coming by and checking on the mother, Mm -hmm. tastes it and also is like, yeah, no, it's totally fine. But Mm -hmm. like the mother can't like get past it. She says it tastes weird. Yeah. And you're wondering if she's tasting like her own bitterness because Mm -hmm. at this point she's even angrier and more bitter than she was before because she's been paralyzed. Yeah. So 
and eventually her health declines until yeah. she dies mm-hmm. and they find out she had been taking she uh I forget the medication. It makes you throw up. Yeah. Uh, be- Epicac? Epicac, I yeah. think. Or something that like that. Something um, different. But yeah, because she was, she kept thinking that Tito was poisoning her. So she kept taking this medicine to counteract the poison, mm-hmm. which poisoned her. And killed her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So honestly, the the movie just kind of cuts this whole part out. Yeah. Which makes sense. Just It, it takes up. A- too much space i think yeah and it's almost Mm -hmm. kind of unnecessary and it removes one of the kind of murders tita commits yeah did tita poison her (laughs) yeah like i don't believe she was aware that the food tasted bad yeah but it was still happening Mm -hmm. so and mama lena was so paranoid that she was being poisoned that she ended up getting poisoned from the anti-poisoning thing it was just like yeah uh so the uh the funeral happens. Yeah. And uh, Rosura and Pedro come back for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is pregnant again. Yeah. And and, and uh, Tita also realizes at this time when she's going through her mom's stuff that her mom kind of had this past that no one knew about. And she had this one true love um, that she wasn't allowed to marry because he was a mulatto, which uh, a mulatto is half black half white or half black, half Mexican. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, African-American in him. So her family wouldn't let her marry him. And so she ended up marrying um, Tita's father instead and, you know, has their first child, Rosura. But then um, her lover kind of comes back into the picture and she's about to, like, go run off with him. But then he he gets killed. And you find out that Gertrudis, her second child is actually from her lover and not from tita's father mm-hmm. and then you know Tita's born later and you find out that tita's father when he has his heart attack and dies it's because someone tells him the truth about um his wife and her infidelity yeah and that's what gives him the heart attack yep and then he's dead <laughs> and you find out this part in the movie like earlier because you see the heart attack incident and someone tell him that Mm -hmm. uh yeah so it's kind of this interesting parallel of uh mama elena's life yeah and and she was denied her love but she still denied that to tita too yeah and it's interesting because tita doesn't really mourn her mother no but she does kind of mourn the woman she used to be because she knows there was this other person she used to be who was passionate and had love and that was kind of killed. Mm-hmm. And so during the funeral, she is sad about that. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to quickly talk about uh, the Chencha incident. Yeah. And her assault. Mm-hmm. Because part of me feels like uh, this movie is honestly a little bit too accurate to the book. Faithful. A little too yeah, faithful. because I think sometimes it touches on things like this mm-hmm. that it's not able to fully resolve or address. Yeah. And you don't. You don't get what you need from the scene. Yeah. You see her assault, but yeah. you never see her, uh, like you see her married at like later on, Yeah, but you never kind of see her go through this arc of hers in this part of the story. Which in the book, they do talk about it. Like they talk about how she goes through kind of this depression and, you know, physically is unwell and everything and that she does sort of revive again like she meets someone and they fall in love and that kind of 
gives her, you know, a new purpose. Mm-hmm. But it's like really sad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really sad part of mm-hmm. the story. It's really depressing. And it's interesting because it's kind of bringing the realities of the war back into the story. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I just feel like the, and there are other parts in the movie that are identical to the book, but they don't. Sometimes I wish I could have experienced this movie from the perspective of someone who didn't read the book. Yeah. Because there are some things that I wonder, for example, there's a scene earlier on when um, Pedro and Rosura were still living at the house and it was a really hot day in the summer. And uh-huh. so they were all sleeping in hammocks mm-hmm. in the, uh, on the porch and like eating watermelon and stuff. And that setup isn't really established in that scene yeah like why they're all sleeping in hammocks on the back porch and Mm -hmm. kind of doing this and I'm like would I be confused if I hadn't read the book as to why they're all doing this that's an interesting perspective because that's something that if you've already read the book you don't you can't know if you would understand something like that and and there's just a lot of other small moments like when Tita loses her mind and crawls up to the uh, the chicken coop yeah like you know, that that wasn't established before in the movie, that mm-hmm. area or the, I'm sorry, not chickens, doves. Yeah, the doves. Mm-hmm. And in the book, I mean, you can, they kind of give backstory to it right before it happens. Yeah. And it's, it works more in a book. But in a movie, I'm like, are you going to be confused as to what? Where they are right now. Yeah. And like why this wasn't established in any, any way beforehand. Mm-hmm. So there's things like that that I'm almost like, I kind of wish this movie. Had done its own thing a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't have to be 100% accurate no. to mm-hmm. the book. And when things can't be, especially the Chencha thing, because that's a whole character thing and a, a very kind of brutal scene. And it's just glossed over in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I almost feel like this movie uh, is hurt a little bit by how accurate it is. Yeah. So. that's a, It is really interesting. Um, so, yeah, this happens with Chencha and she does eventually get better Mm -hmm. which is good (laughs) yeah in the book at least and um at this time pedro rosura and rosura come back to the ranch like you already said Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh she gives birth to her uh daughter now mm -hmm. because she was pregnant and uh so the the birth was really difficult yeah and john brown says who helped deliver the baby Mm -hmm. says it really hurt her internally and she can't have any more kids after this yeah and her and Rosura is a believer in this family tradition. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, well, I only have one daughter. So she has to take care of me until I die and never get married. Just like Tita. Yeah. <laughs> and Tita's and she's just like, like, what? And she's like, Tita, isn't this so crazy? Like, I should name her Tita after you because she's going to be just like you taking care of me like you took care of mom. Yeah. And Tita was like, no, do not name that kid after me. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to jinx it. Yeah. And so she names her... Esperanza. Esperanza. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And Tita is, of course, really angry about this and kind of refuses to admit that this is going to happen and sort of makes it her mission to keep this from happening. Yeah. But she's also more... She distances herself a little bit more from from Esperanza Mm -hmm. because she was so uh, emotionally attached to Roberto before he died that she's like, I can't go through that again. So she doesn't try to breastfeed her again mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but she does kind of like ha- raise her a little bit in the kitchen because for some reason, Rosura can't 
Yeah, once again, she's Can't not able to her, feed so. the baby. Yeah. And so this time she feeds the baby with teas and stuff. Kind of like she was mm-hmm. when she was born. And the baby loves the kitchen now and the smells mm-hmm. and won't go to Rosura. Like, it'll only want to be in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, once again, Tita forms a bond with her niece mm-hmm. in a really strong way. Yeah. And Tita has agreed to marry uh, Dr. Brown, John, and she kind of is given up a little bit on Pedro, I think, at this time. You know, she doesn't want to live this tortured life anymore with him and wants to kind of start over with mm-hmm. John. Um so she she's agreed to marry him. But of course, Pedro is not cool with that. <laughs> and Pedro is just like sneaking around yeah. and like watching them and like really <laughs> jealous. Being all sneaky. And this is kind of the worst of Pedro. Yeah, that's his worst side. Pedro is definitely a shitty person in a lot of ways. You know, especially in the movie, it's like when it's visualized, it's so much worse. Yeah. Like when he agrees to... Mary Rosura, and then he tells Tita, like, I only did it for you so we could be together. Yeah, it's, ca- a, it, it's a little more hollow feeling. Yeah, it kind of feels like he's playing them a little bit, Yeah, you know? And I know when he's with Rosura, he doesn't want to be, mm-hmm. um, but it's still just kind of this really shitty manipulation of everyone, yeah. and that continues because he doesn't want her to marry John. Yeah, and which is, I mean... He wants to be with Tita, but he can't be with her. So it's like he won't even let her find her own happiness. Mm-hmm. So he keeps kind of reminding her that he loves her and he sh- she shouldn't marry John and blah, blah, blah. And so when John's away uh, getting his aunt for the wedding, mm-hmm. uh, Pedro uh, encounters Tita and they have sex. Yeah. And it's a big deal because, you know, Tita loses her virginity to Pedro. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of another magical element where when they're having sex in this one room, uh, all these lights start it kind sparks of like, flashing yeah. from the... It's like uh, fireworks almost. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because they, uh, Rosura and Chencha both see this like from the outside, this room. Uh-huh. And they think it's the ghost of Mama <laughs> Elena. And so they... So uh, like, oh, I'm not going to go over we're there. We're not going to go anywhere near that. <laughs> so they let them have sex in privacy yeah, together. I think that was a little lost in the movie, though. Yeah, it, it was. was kind of weirdly cut where you just saw a bunch of sparks, and I'm not sure it was understood they were coming from the room. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that happens. And now Tita's even more torn up. Mm-hmm. And when John comes back, they have this discussion. Yeah. And she confesses to John, I slept with Pedro, mm-hmm. or I slept with a man who I've loved for a long time, she tells him, yeah. and I don't think we can get married. And John is just like the sweetest guy and I is know. like, listen, if you want to be with him, I'll be the first to tell Pedro congratulations. Mm-hmm. If you want to be with me, though, I'd still be happy to marry you. Yeah. And this is one of those really frustrating moments in stories for me. And it's happened in a lot of stories Mm -hmm. where a character's torn between two people. Yeah. And the one she just loves Mm -hmm. just because she loves them. Yeah. It's like this passionate thing that's almost Mm -hmm. instinctual or chemical and not very like based in, um, friendship or shared interests or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just a passion. It's just kind of this raw feeling. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you have this other person who is described as being 
like perfect in every way in this case john Mm -hmm. he's super kind super nice patient like he took care of her when she needed it yeah uh just like tens in like all the categories and he has more character development than pedro does yeah because we don't really know a lot about pedro all we know is that he loves tita and that he marries Rosura, and then like they try to be together whereas john you know you have like oh he was married and then his wife died which is sad Mm -hmm. and you know he has a son and then his grandma was this you know traditional native american healer and he learned so much from her and and now he's dedicated to medicine now he's dedicated to medicine he just has more going on in his life where pedro is just like this cardboard sexy man yeah and i'm not trying to make the case that you can earn someone's love just by being nice. No. Because that's not the right. No. But I think as a writer of a story like this, you do have to... Show their love more than just... You have to at least show what's so special about Pedro. Yeah. Or at least give some kind of fault to John. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just frustrating for the reader. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't get why you wouldn't be madly in love with him. Yeah. And she tells John in the story, she's like, I don't know, I'm so confused... Like, when I'm not around you, I don't know. But when I'm with you, I feel comforted and kind and, and like, at peace. Mm -hmm. And, but what do I do? And I'm like, you marry him. Like, it sounds like you love being around him. Mm -hmm. Why would you not do that? Yeah. So, um, she's she's conflicted about this, but it doesn't translate for the reader very Mm -hmm. well, in my opinion. Yeah. And around this time, too, uh, Gertrudis comes back. Yeah. As a as a hero, a war general. Yeah, she's a general in the army, <laughs> and she's just rocking. And she's back with Juan. Yeah, they they got married. Yeah, after she got all of her uh, sexual whatever. <laughs> yeah. From the uh, after she worked it out. <laughs> yeah, so she went back to Juan, and mm-hmm. uh, they got married, and now she's the general of this army, and they come back to the house, mm-hmm. and it's great because Tita's so happy to see her. Yeah, because she got along with Gertrudis so much better than with Rosura. with Rosura. Mm-hmm. and Gertrudis kind of you know gives her advice too she's like mm-hmm. do you want to be with Pedro like then be with him find a way and you know Tita's like but Rosura, and what do we do and you know she kind of says like you guys have to figure that out amongst yourselves you know there's yeah. fault in you sleeping with Pedro yes but also there's fault in Rosura like marrying your boyfriend when she knew that you both were in love you know yeah and it's more complicated because uh, Tita thinks she might be pregnant. Yeah. And obviously with Pedro's uh, baby. Mm-hmm. And she tells Pedro this and he's super happy. Because then she can't marry uh, yeah. Brown, Dr. Brown. So <laughs> so uh, they kind of talk about what they're going to do. And they agree that they can't run away together because Pedro has a wife and a kid now. And yeah. he wants to run away, which is terrible. But she's <laughs> like, no. Your family. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, and at this point, she becomes haunted by the ghost of Mama Elena. Yep. She thought back. Mama Elena was gone, but she's back. <laughs> <laughs> she will never die. And she's just kind of like in the corners of the room, <laughs> just being like, you slut. <laughs> <laughs> You've brought shame on this family. Yeah. And this happens for a while. And Tita's like really upset and doesn't know what to do. And then eventually she confronts Mama Elena's ghost and Mama Elena says something to her like, you've brought shame on this family and you're acting improperly. And Tita kind of throws it back on her face and is like, oh, like you did? 
Yeah. Oh, like the illegitimate child that you had and your lover and all the stuff that you did and kind of stands up to <laughs> yeah. her again. She's like, well, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll stop haunting you now. <laughs> yeah. But right before she, her spirit like dissipates, she kind of like throws a lamp or something onto Pedro. She lights Pedro on fire before she goes. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, fuck in the, you guys. In the movie, it seems like Pedro just kind of drunkenly stumbles into a fire yeah. that they're having outside. Yeah, but he gets caught on fire and, you know, they put out the fire on him, but he's really horribly burned. So Tita comes running down and, you know, kind of grabs his hand and he's in so much pain. They're kind of bringing him up the steps and Razura kind of comes out of her room and is like, what's going on? And, you know, Tita's holding Pedro's hand and she kind of lets go of his hand when Razura comes out. And then Pedro's like, Tita, don't leave me. Like, please don't In leave me. In front of all these people. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, I won't. I won't. And so Razura's kind of like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. she's She's been shunned like for the last time mm-hmm. concerning this. Uh, so she takes care of Pedro and his burns yeah. with the uh, treatments that she learned from John Brown and like the his grandmother his grandmother mm-hmm. the the ghost of his grandmother kind of yeah is around it's like her John's grandmother and Nacha both kind of guide Tita to it, heal Pedro it's so funny because in the movie you catch a glimpse of Nacha's ghost yeah and then there's another old woman and I'm like who is that who the fuck is that <laughs> like just some other old woman who decided to like show up yeah and you I mean it's John's grandmother morning light but you don't know that that's yeah. another thing that you don't really know if you haven't read the book. <laughs> I think they briefly kind I think he might say something or someone says something about yeah. it, but not, yeah, it's another one of those moments that's not fully explained. Yeah, and Rosura kind of confronts Tita around this time too and is basically like, you know, I'm the wife and I don't really care what you and Pedro do, but you can't bring shame on me. So like, if you guys want to have a secret love affair, like, I don't really care but you can never go public with it or leave me or anything. And then kind of reinforces that Esperanza is going to stay with her until yeah. she dies too. Yeah. Like you're not going to change this. Mm-hmm. Also, she's fat again, by yeah. the way. Oh yeah. She like keeps getting fat whenever she eats Tita's cooking. Yeah. And she asks Tita for help and she's like, sure. sure. I get. Also her breath is really bad. Yeah. It's and like, she has bad gas. Yeah. She's very gassy and bloated yeah. and, and so you're like, uh, is Tita poisoning her? Yeah. Is this another food thing? Yeah. It probably is. Well, they talk specifically about how when Rosura says that Esperanza is going to stay with her until she dies and never marry, how Tita wants her to kind of like eat her own words. Oh, yeah. She and how she's it. like, I wish those foul words would kind of like stay inside her and rot. It's kind of like when a character in a movie has the power of wishes. Yeah. And then they're very flippant with like how they yeah. phrase things. And like, I wish she'd get a taste of her own medicine. Yeah. And so you're like, is this causing Rosura to like get really fat and gross. <laughs> the short answer is absolutely <laughs> Tita's killing her. <laughs> okay, so where we leave off now, Rosura's fat and possibly by Tita's cooking. And Tita doesn't know what to do, mm-hmm. whether to marry John or to stay with Pedro. But she finds out she's not pregnant. Oh, she does find out Because after she pregnant. tells her mother's ghost to fuck off, uh, she 
just realizes like her period was late and yeah. that she was bloated, I guess. And, and Mama Elena was like causing it, maybe to like freak her out. I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of weird. <laughs> the, it's very strange because when I first, I don't know if you, you read this book before. Yeah. And I think you kind of briefly explained it to me. Uh-huh. And from what I read, my idea or my understanding of it was the, the concept that Tita's cooking uh, her emotions go into it yeah and it affects the people who eat it mm-hmm. and I was like oh that's such a great concept that's cool and I like that in the book yeah but the magical realism is way more broad than yeah that. it's so much beyond that yeah and so it's it people describe the book this way like oh it's Matt Tita has magical cooking but it's an overly simplistic description yeah and honestly that only kind of it definitely happens a few times yeah and and it's the first thing i think the first big thing that happens because it happens a couple times at the beginning yeah and then at the end uh and then in between you only have those suspicions of like is she killing her mother (laughs) is she killing her sister honestly this story is like a slight rewrite away from being a story of a woman who just murders everyone with like magical cooking powers oh my god yes (laughs) she just kind of uses them to get her way yeah but she doesn't know that she's doing it and i think that's the whole point is that tita never acknowledges that that's what's going on and people don't acknowledge it either so it's like all unconscious so so, it's fine so she can't be blamed (laughs) she can't be blamed for killing her family yeah so this is where the um the next chapter starts Mm -hmm. and the final chapter as it starts um they just talk about how they're um preparing these chilies and walnuts um for for a wedding and so you have no idea what's happening you're like Who's getting married? Is Tita marrying John? Is Tita marrying Pedro? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And at first you think Tita's marrying John. Yeah. Because he's helping with the wedding preparations. Yeah, he's And is there. happy. Mm-hmm. And it talks about him looking at his tuxedo and everything. Yeah. And then it cuts to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And Tita's dancing with Pedro. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about their life together. And you're like, oh my God, she's marrying Pedro. Yeah. Uh, then they give you a third flip or twist fake out yeah because this is and you're not certain about this but Mm -hmm. it's quite a bit into the future yeah 20 years have passed yeah and you don't know that when you first start that section and you find out her niece esperanza (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why i remember everyone else's name but hers esperanza esperanza is marrying uh, John Brown's son. Alex. Alex. Mm-hmm. And that's whose wedding they're at. So yeah. you finally get an answer. Yeah. And then you see everyone is older and Pedro and John have mustaches now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the way, Rizura died. Oh, yep. She's dead. It, so uh, she died of, as John diagnosed it. Uh, uh Intestinal problems? Yeah. Digestive problems? <laughs> and, oh my God, it's so weird and dark. Yeah. But basically, Pedro just heard, like, all this farting from the bedroom. Yeah. And then goes to check on her, and she's dead. Yeah. And... And this happened only, like, a year or two before the wedding. hmm Because, so, you know, at this point, Esperanza is older, but... You find out that kind of through these 20 years that have passed, you know, they've kind of, you know, the three of them, Rosura, Tita, and Pedro, have kind of come to an arrangement Mm -hmm. where Tita and Pedro are having this secret relationship, um, but no one knows about it, and they have to keep it a secret, and Tita can't have kids, obviously. Um, And they kind of share raising 
Esperanza too. Mm -hmm. Rosura has care of her and Tita does too. Yeah. And it, it, and you know, back to this whole, uh, Tita murdering thing. It seemed, (laughs) let's go back to that. It seemed like, uh, just coincidental because it was so far in the future that Rosura died, Mm -hmm. but, but it was right before, uh, her and Alex got married. Yeah. So did she kill her? So that they could get married. Well, they do say they had their worst argument right before she died. Yeah. About letting Esperanza marry Alex in the first place. Yes. The pieces are coming together. (laughs) If I was a detective, I'm pretty sure I'd know who I'd suspect. Well, and this is kind of, this is kind of where it goes a little too far for me. Mm -hmm. Like Mama Elena is just a bitch and they do sort of humanize her at the end where you find out about, you know, her old lover and not being able to be with him and stuff. But Rosura, I just feel bad for her because yeah. she's not really that terrible. She just like Mama well, Lena sort of forces her to get married to Pedro. Yeah. And I was I didn't have any sympathy for her because she was gonna continue yeah. the tradition of, you know, her daughter not being able to marry and everything. Mm-hmm. Until you brought up the counterpoint that, well, her husband is sleeping with her only other sister who's left. Yeah. So who else does she have? Yeah, she's kind of alone. She has no one. So maybe forcing Esperanza to be with her is her only comfort. Yeah, which just makes it sadder. Which is very sad, you know? And then she dies, and it's just like she was in the way of Tita and Pedro, and so she just shown no sympathy. Mm -hmm. And it it does, you know, make me a little uncomfortable with that part of the story at least i agree especially just kind of the sad way she dies yeah gassy (laughs) yeah so uh they're at the wedding and now now that like a year's passed or so pedro Mm -hmm. and tita are uh can kind of be together yeah saying like they don't really have to hide it as much they're gonna they say you know as they're dancing at the wedding they're like we can get married now and Mm -hmm. maybe have a child and kind of start our lives that we were meant to start 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, God, the movie shows this one shot while they're dancing of John. Oh, sad John. And he's just sitting there really oh. sad. And I'm like, why? He never finds anyone else. No, he never gets married. Mm-hmm. Why would you do this to us? Yeah. Ugh. And his son is getting married and I think he's happy for that, but he's alone. Yeah. He's totally alone. <laughs> Because Tita just had to be with Pedro. Yeah. She couldn't just get married to the nicest guy. But Pedro and Tita love each other. Yeah, but also Pedro's a little bitch <laughs> in a lot of ways. There's a scene, oh my God, we, uh, partway through the book where mm-hmm. I kind of forget at what point, but Tita's running around like trying to take care of everyone. Oh, yeah. And everything. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, like she was running down the steps with food and she spills the food. Oh yeah. And is like, Oh my, she's like stew. She spills stew down the steps. Yeah. And then Pedro just like walks up to her. He's like, we have to talk. (laughs) Classic. We have to talk, man. Yeah. And she's like, I'm a little busy right now. And she really gets a great moment of telling him off. Yeah. Where she's like, the next time you're in love with me, don't be a coward. Yeah. And like, just run away. Yeah. She's like, we should have run away together. And that's what you should have done. You shouldn't have married Rosura and you fucked up. Yeah. And we don't really get that satisfying moment in the movie. Yeah. But that's kind of, I don't know. That's how I felt. And I felt like it's just kind of forgotten after she gets it off her chest. So yeah, I'm just not a fan of Pedro 
and well, I appreciate their passions. Yeah, but she does choose to be with him, so that that is her choice. It is. That she it makes. is. And I'm just saying, as the reader, <laughs> I was mad. I do like John too, though. Yeah. He he is a kind soul, but he ends up alone. So yeah, that I guess it that's happens. That's it for him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tita made these the chilies in walnuts mm-hmm. for the wedding, and everyone who eats them gets really starts feeling really sexy <laughs> yeah and eventually people just start like kind of sneaking out of the wedding and like running away and there's such an amazing part in the book I just have to read this scene to you yeah so everyone starts running off so they can have sex okay everyone else including the ranch hands was making mad passionate love wherever they happened to end up some under the bridge between Piedras Negras and Eagle Pass, the more conservative in their cars hastily pulled over to the side of the road. The rest, wherever they could, any spot would do. In the river, on the stairs, under the wash tub, in the fireplace, in the oven of the stove, under the counter in the drugstore, in the clothes closet, on a treetop. Necessity is the mother of invention and of every position. That day it led to some of the greatest creativity in the history of the human race. <laughs> So good. So funny. And, and the movie has a great moment where when everyone's running away, yeah. they show the priest, the yeah. town priest who's always there, and he's running away with Going a woman. Going off with a woman trying and to like, all like sneaking find off. a car or something to go into. It's so funny. Yeah. So everyone clears out and leaves, including Esperanza and Alex. They go off on their honeymoon. So everyone's gone. Hopefully Gertrudis's life isn't fucked up again. Like, yeah. Hopefully this doesn't start that whole thing again. But um, yeah, and so Pedro and Tita are left alone, finally. Yeah, alone and, at the ranch. Yeah, and they uh, go in their room uh, and are finally able to, like, just declare their love and they don't have to hide it. Yeah, and they, they do talk about how, in the book, how um, for so long they had to be quiet and to be secretive about, you know, their love and whenever they did ma- make love. So in this moment, they can be free. There's no one there and literally there's no one to stop them. So they can just, you know, feel their, this passion like they've never felt it, felt it before. Yeah. And so they're having sex and it's so passionate. It's so great. It's so intense Mm -hmm. that they experience the, the thing that John Brown talked about earlier, this coming back to the divine origin, divine origin. And you see this like tunnel of light. And Tita's aware of it. Yeah. But she thinks about it and is like, I don't want that. I want to like have kids. And, and a like, life a with life. Pedro. So she kind of like. Pulls herself back. Pulls herself back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, Pedro didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> because Pedro is like. Pedro The is light. Dead. And he dies. Yeah. And. It's really sad. It is really sad. Because they were just like having sex. And then all of a sudden he kind of like. It looks like he has a heart attack and he just dies. And in the middle of them having sex and Tita is just like, she she can't understand this. And it's just like Pedro and he's dead and she can't do anything. And, and she immediately regrets not going to the light like yeah. with him. Mm-hmm. And so she, of course, like, you know, the next logical thing would be she starts eating candles. Yeah. <laughs> In the movie, it's matches. Yeah, but she remembers, you know, the stuff was what John was saying about the matches. Mm-hmm. And so as she's eating them or eating the candles, she starts, like, thinking about, like, all her favorite moments with Pedro, like, yeah. when they first met. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I don't know, like the... The first time they made love. Yeah, the stolen glances between mm -hmm. them and like the intensity of their relationship. Yeah. And she's able to see that light again and return to it. Yeah. And so she dies. Mm -hmm. And they kind of, you know, both die together in this light and they're together in this... Whatever. Paradise. Paradise. amazing sex forever. (laughs) (laughs) And... The whole house catches on fire, yeah, and burns down around them. Mm-hmm. And when uh, the niece and her husband come back, like a week later after their honeymoon, yeah, uh, they find just the houses in ashes, yeah. And they say that, like, years after that, like that was like the most um, uh, nutritious soil. Oh for, yeah, like, plants. from all the like, ashes, so it was very fertile. And the mm-hmm. only thing to survive the fire is Tita's cookbook. <laughs> yes, which is what she's like referring to and mm-hmm. like reading from and making the recipes from. And she talks about like she'll always live as long as people still cook her food and remember her. Yeah, and it's her great niece at the end of the story saying like, my mother Esperanza taught me the recipes which were taught to her by Tita and now this tradition is continuing. Yeah, so it's really sweet in that way of this yeah. kind of like, tradition and remembrance and kind of like passing down of uh recipes or just kind of culture story culture yeah. all mm-hmm. of that so it's really sweet and interesting in that way it's a really sad and beautiful like moment in the it book is. and in the movie when tita is trying to join pedro and he dies and she's you know remembering all those scenes together and those moments and it's just oh makes me so sad (laughs) yeah as someone who i who really disliked pedro i was still like touched by it Mm -hmm. um mostly because of tita and like her emotions about it and what she felt for pedro Mm -hmm. and it's it's a tragic ending because they did still want a life together yeah and they couldn't have that yeah but it was still um a they satisfying still, they still got to be together in the end yeah in the eternal afterlife of mm-hmm. sex <laughs> and it's so it's funny because at the very end of the movie as the uh, great niece is talking about this you see the ghost of her mother esperanza yeah and then the ghost of tita standing behind her as mm-hmm. she's giving this closing thing about remembrance and they'll always live on and i'm like what why is Tita there? Tita shouldn't be there. She's in the afterlife having sex with Pedro forever. Why would she be watching you cooking? But I digress. Yeah. It's still a sweet moment. And it's a good way to wrap it up too, of, of as the generations continue, Tita's legacy lives on. Yeah. Yeah. So which one is better? Ooh. Uh, actually, this is pretty simple for me. Yeah. Pretty simple for me too. Uh, the book. The book is better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie tries. Yeah, and the movie is is good. It I, is good. I enjoy yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Once again, I don't know how much I enjoy it as its own thing or as an accompaniment to the book. Yeah, you know, it's and tough that's to say. Kind of an interesting thing because you would almost expect people who like the book to want the movie to be as close as possible, and that's you know that's the number one complaint that you hear from people. Yeah, when a movie comes out, is that oh they you know changed all these things from the book and it's not the same. But like you were saying, when it's too close to the book, it almost like it can't compare. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff that you wouldn't understand unless you read the book. So if it's not kind of its own thing, it's hard to think of it as a separate. Yeah, the story and especially this book is it's a lot of story. I yeah, mean, this is. This is a decently long episode for one book and one movie. Yeah. But um, it's a lot of story of her life 
packed into not a huge book, like 200, no. yeah. 250 pages. Yeah. Um, but a lot happens. A lot happens. Mm-hmm. And it works for the book, I think. And it works for the movie for the most part, kind of yeah. this sprawling epic of her life. But to a point, you're almost like, it's almost like too many things happen. Uh, it tries, Not enough time to explain yeah, everything. It tries to cover too much ground at points. And you know, kind of unresolved things, some things not being explained properly. Yeah. One of the other things I was forgetting was uh, John's son. Oh, yeah. You didn't know he had a son, really. No, he just had this kid with him. <laughs> I mean, I guess from context, you're supposed to assume it's his son, but yeah. it's not super obvious until one he's day he's like, married. my son. Yeah. And uh, now we were, obviously this movie is trans- had uh, subtitles, yeah. and we were kind of taking notes, so I could have missed some lines no, I didn't see anything. Okay. <laughs> they just showed a couple shots of this kid and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's things like that that I think kind of uh, hurt the movie a little bit. The movie, the performances, yeah. um, uh, the girl who plays Tita is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the performances are very good. Mm-hmm. And the cinematography is really, really beautiful in certain scenes and really nice. Yeah. It's very just competently made. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually won... A uh, an aerial, mm-hmm. I believe, which yeah. is uh, the Mexican uh, Film Awards. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, and it was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Foreign Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know, a very solid, competent film. Yeah. Uh, the book, though, I just loved the format of it. I know it had so much originality, and I just loved it. It worked so well, and mm-hmm. it's so fun to read. You know, you just enjoy it, and the recipes, I could just, it's so good. Yeah, and I love the the romance and the kind of sexiness of it, because yeah. it, it's certainly there and prominent, mm-hmm. but it's not like the entire purpose of yeah. the book. Yeah, it's not know? just an erotic novel. Yeah, I know? would never call it a romance. I mean, maybe a, roman- a romantic novel, but like... Yeah. Yeah, never an erotic novel or anything like that. It's so much more than that. Yeah. But I appreciated those elements a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, book for both of us. Book works. Man, that's two weeks in a row. Yeah. I'm slipping. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, lightning round. Lightning round. There's not too many, but no. there's some really great ones. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to? You can, you can go. Okay, so uh, the first lightning round. Uh, oh my god! Uh, what we are calling the fuck sheet? <laughs> when I don't know, this must be Mexican tradition, maybe or something. something. I don't know, <laughs> but essentially they have to make this sheet for the wedding yeah. for their wedding night between Pedro and Rosura, and it's a sheet with like just a hole in it, like a slit. That I it's guess the fuck hole. Yeah, it's just what Pedro sticks his dick through to have sex with Rosura, and she's covered in this sheet, and I. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? This is terrible. It's so bizarre. I don't like. It's perfect for uh, Pedro, probably, who like doesn't want to, who wants to think about Tita or whatever. Yeah. But I, and they they do show it in the movie, and it's so funny because the hole is like embroidered around yeah. the edges. <laughs> it's like all lacy. Oh my I, god. I don't understand. I don't know the context, the historical or yeah. cultural context of it, but it's too, it's too much. <laughs> it's the fuck sheet. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, and also, so when Gertrudis comes to visit, um, she wants Tita to make these uh, cream fritters for her, <laughs> and so Tita's like, "Sure, I'll make them." And then in the middle of it, she needs to talk to Pedro. So Rosario's or Gertrudis is like, "Oh, I'll, I'll finish making them," but she of course has no idea how to make any of it. So she gets her sergeant Trevino to help her make these fritters. 
Yeah, and Sergeant Trevino, it goes into a whole backstory for him. <laughs> and this is the first time he's been introduced. Yeah. He comes up once at the end. Yeah. We have no idea who he is. No, but it talks about how this whole plot of... Um, him trying to find a spy yes, in their in his army. Ranks, yeah. Who killed a woman, a prostitute. And he knows he has a birthmark on his thigh. And yeah. so he hires prostitutes to, to like find him. To find out which person it is yeah. so that he can kill him. <laughs> and he finds a prostitute whose name is, as they say, Husky Voice. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those moments that I think the translation yeah. fails. <laughs> Completely. Hi, Husky Voice. I would love to meet a prostitute named Husky Voice. <laughs> yeah, so they, they have this whole backstory with Sergeant Trevino as he's like trying to decipher this recipe and he's like so lost and the two of them are just trying to figure out how to make these cream fritters. It's so funny. It's this wacky little subplot and then it goes into this like very intense like dark backstory yeah. of him and then cuts back to him trying to make fritters fumbling in the kitchen and like how much sugar do i add <laughs> it was really funny yeah um the chicken tornado oh yeah <laughs> this is one of those more on the magical than realism realism side uh at one point Tita just like walks out of the house and she's really mad. Yeah. And the chickens are in like their pen beside uh-huh. the house and they just start fighting and getting mad and like flying around and around and the chickens like <laughs> turn into, turn into a, a, a tornado, tornado. <laughs> and like burst through the fence like this whole and do they like burrow into the ground or something? Or am I, I making that up? Know. I don't even remember. It's just a tornado. It tor- just wrecks some stuff. <laughs> and Tina just watches it. I'm like, is this supposed to represent her anger? Because it's a very strange <laughs> way to do it. And that's it. It has no effect on anything. No. Just these chickens. It's just a chicken tornado. It's a chicken tornado. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Do you have any more or is that? I think that does it for the lightning round. A a quick yet solid lightning round. Yes, some great entries into the lightning (laughs) round. Oh, man. So that does it for like Water for Chocolate. Yeah. Definitely read the book and watch the movie if you can. It's such a unique and interesting book. And it's something that is so different from other stuff that I've read. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was was cool to read a book that was translated from another language, so you really get that cultural aspect to it. Yeah. And it made it interesting, you know, to watch it, because the movie's foreign, too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, really, a really enjoyable story. It's great. It's it's really great. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so if if you like this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. Leave us a review. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Cover2Credits, that's the number two, or find us on Facebook. And our, uh, you can email us at covertocreditspod at gmail.com. Yes, and send us any suggestions for other episodes you want to hear. Like, yeah. please feel free, just tell us anything. Like, yeah, we always appreciate the feedback, and we want to know what you guys want to listen to. Absolutely, if you have a favorite story or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to uh, Bob Kiernan and Actual Size for providing our sound equipment. It's great as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you next episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye.